Welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high achieving working moms come to learn how to stop over drinking, reduce overwhelm and anxiety, and show up like the players they were meant to be. I'm your host, Angela Masenek, and let's dig in. This is episode 12, Generating Power, with Dr. Michelle Morkert. So welcome to the podcast, Michelle. So listeners and viewers, I am interviewing Dr. Michelle Morkert, professor of women's and gender studies, and a Fulbright scholar through the U.S. State Department, and we are discussing power today. And some of you have heard me talk about power before, and knowing, if you've been following for a while, our thoughts create our feelings. And the feeling of power is generated by what we're thinking. And a lot of us in our past or um, currently maybe don't feel very powerful in our current lives. And we are often giving our power away or our emotional state to other people. And um, the core of what I teach and coach my clients on is how to be responsible for your own emotional well-being and take your power back. And I love that Michelle was willing to come on here today and talk to us. And Michelle's actually a current client of mine. And um, she was referred to me by one of my clients. And because she's got a lot of things going on in her life. And she's a mom. And she's this amazing professor. And she has personal things that she wants to work on and health goals. And a lot of moving parts in her life. And she just wanted help to sort of like organize and um, focus on all the little buckets in her life. So welcome, Michelle, and I'm going to turn it over to you to give it yourself a little introduction, and we'll go from there. Okay, sounds good. Well, thanks for having me. Um, so I'm a professor of women's and gender studies in the Chicagoland area where it's still cold, and I was just telling Angela I had to scrape my car again this morning, and it's what, March 12th? Um, <laughs> but um, I've been teaching since uh, 2000. Five um, at my university, and before that, um, I was getting my PhD in women's and gender studies from Clark University in Massachusetts, um, and that you know that changed everything for me. And so it's what I do in so many different ways in my life, and um, I'm happy to be here and you know make some of those connections here with your audience. Awesome. Well, we are very happy to have you. So you know, I sort of introduced power, and you know learning how to generate power in your life and how that makes you a more powerful badass to pursue the things that you want to pursue in your life and knowing that nobody can touch your well-being and your emotional state. Right. So how do you describe power to your students or to yourself? Right. So people write books on this. <laughs> power and leadership and gender and women's and gender studies is interdisciplinary. So people look at business with gender. They look at politics with gender. They, you know, look at literature and the arts with gender. So, I mean, there's psychology, right? There's so many different ways, but so I was preparing as I do um, for today. And I was remembering a conversation with, that I had with my mentor when I was in my PhD program and her name is Dr. Cynthia Enlow. And she's, you know, crazy famous and really, you know, she's just a wonderful mentor. And she was one of the first in her field, first female to study women and militarization and things like this, right? And when she goes someplace, 
she goes as her full self, which is always like khaki pants and, you know, um, some sort of like button down flannel or whatever it is, but she's always herself wherever she goes. And a bunch of us were sitting in a um, restaurant before a conference um, in Chicago. And it's this big um, international studies association conference. And we were presenting and we were nervous, right? And we looked around and there's predominantly men, some women in all in suits, you know, and here we were and we're like, okay, we're really standing out. And she could tell that we were nervous. And she said, be who you are, just be who you are, no matter what. And that has really resonated with me. And in fact, I talk with my students about that, right? I'm like, okay, be who we are. What is, what does that mean? What are the messages that we're getting about gender, like from the world around us? Cause we're getting so many all the time, right? So being who I am means I have to be my authentic self. So what are my goals? What are my passions? What are my skills? What's my body that I was born into this world into, right? And how does that impact the way people perceive me or value me or how I value myself? So there's like so much, you know, with it, right? So when we talk about gender and like in my class, we talk about gender norms because we're taught how to be a male, how to be a female, right? So what happens when we look down the street and we see, you know, five teenage girls looking exactly the same way? Their hair is exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. They're trying to wear the exact same kind of clothes. My guess is that maybe they're not functioning out of being their authentic selves, mm-hmm. right? They're operating because society says this is kind of how you're supposed to be. And so that's kind of how I talk about this idea of power, right? Being your authentic self and then trying to figure out how you navigate that in society. Cause I think we're getting a lot of messages based on gender about what we can and can't do. Mm-hmm. I love that. So I love the idea of your authentic self and, Oh, I was getting the chills when you were saying that because I was before my journey to becoming a life coach, I was somebody that, you know, followed, the normal rules of society of like middle-class America. So I was actually the first female in my entire family to go to college, which is super amazing. And I was breaking away from the norms of that society where I was raised and whatnot. Um, However, then I entered into a new norm of what people do when you go to college and you live this American lifestyle and like you get married and you have kids and you have this career and you climb the career ladder and you buy a home and you have debt and like all this of other... I just, once I did all those things, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what is this? Is this it? Like, no. And I just really rebelled against that normal American lifestyle. And I'm like, this can't be it. I can't go to work and have kids and then come home. And I felt like I was just stuck in this auto repeat cycle because I felt like I needed to fit into this normal society role, right? as a woman, as a mother, as an employee, as a, you know, a daughter, like all of these different things. And it wasn't until I just said enough is enough. And I like, I just dropped it all. I didn't like get a divorce and get rid of my kids and sell my house or anything. But I was like, you know what, I'm willing to live on like saltine crackers for the rest of my life to figure this shit out. Mm -hmm. And I went out to like on this quest to figure out how I could be who I wanted to be in this society. And what I found was I was giving my power away. I was like letting other people 
dictate my emotional state and I would blame my stress and anxiety and overwhelm on my employer or my husband or my kids or the balance of it all. And once I sort of learned how to um, generate the feelings that I wanted to, to generate and get that fulfillment that I was looking for, all of it sort of fell into place. And that's where I am today with life coaching and helping other women figure that out for themselves and not feeling like they need to fall into place in society. And it's just been amazing. I don't know if, know if I'm making sense here now, but um, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, and I think what happens too is that those lessons that you were taught, we don't know we're teaching them half the time. Yeah. You know, it's not like some nefarious sexist plan to like keep people, you know, and they're yes. right. It's just, it's the way we're taught to behave because it's supposed to be right. It's supposed to be helpful. It's supposed to be healthy. And, um, you know, my students sometimes have a really hard time just making that shift in their, their thinking about it. And I say, just think about other cultures, mm -hmm. those that you know of. If this was natural and bio, all about biology, we wouldn't see people in different cultures mm -hmm. doing things differently, right, based on their gender. And I'll tell you what, what you wear isn't some biologically determined, like, good, you know. Um, so it's it, there's so many layers of it. Yeah. And it's, it's hard. But once you see one of the layers, I think you start to see the other layers. And there's this huge ripple. Yeah, yeah. So I think where I was going with this was – being my true authentic self and part of me becoming this person who I am now <laughs> was getting rid of the fear and just moving on past the fear of what other people thought of me. So I verbally and came out, I was like, I was coming out <laughs> um, saying that I had like, I was over drinking and I was overeating and I was like using food and alcohol in my life to like cover up what I was feeling in this unfulfillment that I was feeling in my life. And once I started talking about me and my struggles was like the, what I, it's what I needed to do to be my true authentic self and not worrying so much about when you were talking about your students or you before you're going on stage. Mm -hmm. And like when your professor and your mentor is like, just be you. I decided that I'm just going to be me. And so then I decided that I'm, I don't care if I'm cussing on Facebook or in my emails or with my clients. Like I am somebody that uses swear words and that is me being my true authentic self. And I'm going to attract the people that want to be their true authentic selves too. And um, so when I coach my people on drinking or overeating or, you know, improving their work relationships or taking it to the next level, that is that authentic person and tapping into that authenticity that you have within yourself is one of the first things that we talk about is not being scared to be who you are in this world. And you are a unique individual, right? Like you have something to offer to the world. And I'm sure that that is relates back into what you were saying about what you teach and your students yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. And we have something that we call intersectional theory and I'm not like trying to get, you know, all complicated, but cause it's not right. It's like, we're a whole bunch of things all at the same time. Yeah. So we have you know, like a gender identity and a racial identity and, you know, an age identity and, you know, all these different kinds of things. And we all operate in the world at the same time. As mm -hmm. all of things. Yes. You know, it is complicated and it's really scary for adults. It's scary for my students. And so I'm really lucky because as a professor, I get to assign things, you know, <laughs> so like they can read about the suffragists who went on hunger strikes. Mm -hmm. And that's inspiring, right? Because right. they realize, okay, this is who they were and they really were willing to risk 
violating those social norms because this is what they believed. It's not what everybody needed to do, but it was the course for some people because they yeah. were authentic selves. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, me too. I'm lucky. <laughs> well, you've created this for yourself, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah. I'm, what? I'm working on that, yeah. <laughs> what made you want to go into this line of work? So that's interesting because I sort of fell into it. Um, so I'm a first generation student in my own family. Mm-hmm. So you know, my parents didn't go to college. Um, and um, I was originally a high school English teacher, which is what, you know, females often do. Yeah. So I was most definitely led in that direction, mm-hmm. you know, by my mother. And I'm glad I did because I love literature. I love reading. But when I was teaching, I was adding to my my curriculum all these women who weren't in the texts, you know. And so <laughs> I was already doing it, right? I was already looking at, like, the voices that were erased or marginalized or just never even acknowledged. Mm-hmm. And then I went on to my master's degree in interdisciplinary studies, and I thought for sure I'd go back to teaching high school English. Mm-hmm. All I wanted to do was gender, study gender everywhere. And so then my professors there, and I'm so fortunate to have had those mentors also, they said, you should um, think about going into women's and gender studies. I had no idea what it was because I was from this space where we didn't really talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that it was all over the world, all over the country already. And so then I applied to Clark University um, at the encouragement of people who knew, you know, knew me, right? And um, had faith in me when I was not real sure about this. And um, I was accepted and I got a full ride. And so we moved our family out there and um, to Massachusetts. And it's never been the same and I'm really glad it's it's been an amazing you know opportunity since then that's awesome so what do you think when you were going through those processes like if you could remember the feelings that you had as you were applying to go to grad school and moving your family across the country like what pushed you what feeling generated for you to do those things yeah definitely it felt um really joyful for me because um, it was new, but it felt really right. So at the mm-hmm. same time, I was afraid, you know, so I did the havesies thing. Like I'm going to apply, but I'm probably not going to get in like one of those kinds mm-hmm. of things, but it really was the, the joy and the enthusiasm and the feeling connected to it mm-hmm. that um, pushed me to do something that I didn't know how to do. And my mother didn't know how to do. My spouse didn't know how to do. We didn't really know people who were professors except for those that we had personally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there were definitely, you know, those kinds of feelings, which I recognize still now when I'm doing different kinds of activities or when I'm teaching my classes. Mm -hmm. But it was like you had something was more powerful for you to do that, right? It was a thought like, I'm going to figure this out or I'm worth taking the risk or like, what was it that pushed you further along the line? Yeah, I definitely think it was that feeling of... um, I keep going back to joy because that's one that I've been thinking about, but I felt so happy Mm -hmm. what I was doing Mm -hmm. and I was able to do well at it because I loved it because Mm -hmm. it was really that good fit. And so it was hard work, of course, but it didn't feel awful hard work. It felt like really good hard work. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, let's talk about where you have recently learned about power being a feeling and how your thoughts generate power. 
Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Talk about whatever you want to talk about. <laughs> no, but actually, it's been really helpful for me to think about this, you know, thoughts and feelings and actions, because it really is what I teach. I just don't do it in the same way, like it with the same language. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're using, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do the reverse thing. I go back to Cynthia's, you know, be who you are. And I think about right, what is that? Right. And what are those those things that I want to do and the way I want to feel. So take mm-hmm. joy again, for example. And so what does that mean to live my work life or my life, you know, from that perspective? And that's mm-hmm. why I'm really having a good time and I'm generating and being creative. And um, so that's something that, you know, we've been talking about, right? Mm-hmm. That you help me to think about is what's the place I want to come from and then how do I do that? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like asking when we make, long-term changes with our life, right? If we come from a more positive emotion, like power, or you want to experience joy, and then you take action from that place, it's mm-hmm. way more permanent and sustainable. Instead of feeling obligated to do these things or um, forced or pressure to do these things because you think there's something wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. So if you can well, generate... Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I was going to say that um, it's really easy to get overwhelmed and to feel like powerless Mm -hmm. doing what I do, you know, with the perspective that I have um, in in the world, right? And that's where I feel like my students come to me a lot of times. I mean, my classes have been jam-packed because they know there's a lot of gender stuff going on and there's a lot of, you know, racial inequality going on. And so they... um, come to class ready to talk, but they don't necessarily have the language for it, right? And Mm -hmm. what we do is we kind of go back to that, you know, being who you are, right? What are the issues? What do we see in society, right? And then how can we tap into that? Because we're not going to, one person isn't going to solve the whole thing, Mm -hmm. you know, because it's very overwhelming and they're feeling kind of defeated sometimes, Mm -hmm. really angry. Mm -hmm. So then when we go back to, all right, so what's your thing? What's your skill? What's your passion? What's your joy? How are you going to connect to it? Mm-hmm. Um, then I think they begin to see that they can disrupt some of the cycles. You know, we talk about uh, gender lenses, mm-hmm. like glasses, you know, and you put those gender lenses on and you start to see all these new nuances, you know, in the world around you. So you see gender, you see issues of power and inequity mm-hmm. in society. So then you have to roll it back and kind of figure out where you plug into that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. your own power. Because a lot of times power to them equals control. And it's like this, it's a pie and it's, you know, there's not enough for everybody. So you right. for it. Yeah. And, and, you know, what power really is, the way I'm thinking about it for me is my feminism you know, it's, it has to start from in here. So mm-hmm. again, going back to what my mentor said, it was before we went out and gave these big presentations, we had to be grounded in who are we? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Who am I? Yeah. And then we went out and did the things that we were doing. Yes. Yes. So if you feel like you're not in power or you're powerless in certain political situations or in social situations or in the world, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. we feel that way as women or just as people, like we don't have control, right? Right. Mm -hmm. So you recommend and teach, you generate that feeling first through yourself. And then it's from that feeling. 
yeah, we don't talk a ton about feelings, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> in academia, as you can probably tell from talking to me. <laughs> um, but, but feelings are in there, right? I mean, it has to be a part of it. And I think that is a lot of what the students work out when they first come to my classes is, oh my gosh, I didn't even know this was an option. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't know I could do that. And those are all their feelings along with their critical thinking, you know, yeah. that, uh, a video the other day for um, a non-governmental organization in Poland, and it was on sexual assault in college campuses, right? And I was giving these statistics, and you know, 23% of college women experience sexual assault, sexual violence, and 5.5% of men do, and between the ages of 18 and 24, that risk escalates. I'm like, this is terrible, and I feel so powerless, mm-hmm. right? But then, all right, be who I am, okay. So I, you know, like to teach and communicate and I felt a lot of joy in being able to craft a message, right, in the way that I do it, meeting my own passions and skills. Mm -hmm. That makes a difference, right? So it helps me to feel that power that I actually do have. Yes. The whole thing on sexual assault and sexual harassment, but I would like to do my part. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, if you can come from that place and know how the power can resonate within you, no matter what, then your ability to connect with other people to help them see their own power, especially in those types of situations is very powerful. And instead of people and maybe your students, you've seen this in your students, I've definitely seen it in my clients is when they don't feel like they are in power, and then they take action from there. It's like they feel like they've been wronged. And then their actions from that place are not as effective as if they could get that feeling of power and like you are actually in control of yourself and how you are feeling in that situation. And then you take action from there. It's way more impactful. Do you agree with that? Yeah. And I see the way the students engage differently with the material if they're just doing it because they have to do it and they yeah. feel it's the worst thing ever and they're not empowered by it. And again, they're sort of like victims in this process of like what my mean professor you know, assigns to me versus seeing what they can learn, what strategies or what ways of being in the world they can relate to. Yeah. And then that's a whole different way. And then so much more happens. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, the hate begets hate thing. Powerless begets powerless. Like you, if you're feeling powerless and then you just feel righteous in what you're doing and going out there and tacking and taking other people's power, like you're not going to get what you're looking, you know, what you're hoping to get out of that experience, I'm guessing. Right. And I think students um, who, especially are first, second year students, you know, they're 18, 19 years old. And there's, this is a big transitional moment for them. There's mm-hmm. a lot going on. Like yeah. We talk about just following into the pattern of what you're supposed to do. And right. I do this exercise with the students about what we call standpoint theory. So I just have them all, it's a crowded class. I have them look out the window and I just ask them to tell me what they see. They see different things, but they're all right. Wow. Wow. It's all accurate, right? Yes. It's a sociological theory that we use in women's and gender studies. And I, I know it's really like simplified, but it just shows them how important they are to being able to tell us what they see from their authentic perspectives. Cause it's accurate and it's different from what I see. Yeah. So if I want to learn if I want to be smart, if I want to be engaged in the world, because a lot of these students do care about the world, right? That's mm-hmm. why they're in this class. Um, we got to listen to other people who are speaking from their authentic selves and their knowledge and their power. 
Yeah. That's how we learn. It's the only way. Otherwise, you've got like five people telling everybody what to do all the time. And that's really limited. And we know that hasn't gone very well. <laughs> really? <laughs> right? Like different perspectives is so important. Your unique perspective on your life and your experiences and your influence and whatever it is that you're doing is very important. And going back to being your true authentic self and sharing that and not being scared to do that is very powerful and it will create more power for you for yourself. And when you do that and start small and little things and grow from there, it gives you more confidence to keep doing those things that matter to you and matter to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important for these students to hear this now, you know, when I heard this, I was, what was I in my thirties probably. Yeah. Right? And I, oh, if only I'd heard this way back then, but you know, it's all part of preparing me for where I am right now, which is exactly you know, where I need to be. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's perfect because that's where you are, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> which is another thing we talk about. It's like for generating power, which is the topic of our podcast and broadcast today, you know, not getting too wrapped up on what's happened in our past or what we have done or should have done differently. And if you think in a certain way, like you shouldn't have done things differently or things should be different than they currently are, makes you less powerful. Mm-hmm. So do you want to talk about that? Sure. I mean, my students, I think, walk in that way. I walk in that way. I can remember after the last presidential election, and it was so complicated. And it was the first time many of my students voted. Mm. So they came into class and they were like, what happened? How, you know, how did this happen? And they felt really powerless because they thought they did their their part and they thought it was all going to work out, you know, just right. And I remember then saying to them, all right, so we live in a democracy. What everybody does affects everybody else. But now you have a choice. We can be really upset and we can, you know, maybe we should be upset for a little while. Let that percolate if we love right. You know, you got to move on. right? Yeah. And so what what is that going to look like? So we deal with so many really hard issues in women's and gender studies, you know, trafficking and violence and even media representations and how that can be really harmful and racist and sexist and, mm-hmm. you know, classist and ageist and all of it. We deal with such big issues that are heavy and oppressive that we have to keep going back to, all right, who am I? How do I engage in this world? Um, and maybe people value me because of my race or my ethnicity or my gender, or my age differently, but how do I value me and what am I bringing to the table, right? How can I figure this out? And where do I plug myself in? Yeah, I love it. Just keep going back to the basics, right? Like back to who you are, who you want to be, how you want to feel, even though you may not specifically be using that kind of language, but it's is, right? Because as human beings, we take actions based on how we're feeling. And if we want to have a positive impact with those actions, we've got to be coming from our true positive place of power and capability that we have in this world which is not to ignore the crap that's going around no not at all engage the crap yes they can't be feeling bad about it right they can feel realistic about it right right um and that's important to have the information and the facts and so i get to teach them how to learn i get to teach them how to research to figure all that out Mm -hmm. you know and then they can figure out where they want to plug into yeah which is very similar to what I teach. So I teach, you know, your thoughts create your feelings and you take action from your feelings. So if you've been thinking a certain way for many, many years and you have these very strong beliefs 
about yourself or other people in your life that isn't generating the result that you want in your life. You've got to be open to challenging that thinking and looking at it differently and taking in all the different facts and generating a new belief that will help serve you better in the long run. Yeah. Yeah. And if we look at that in the United States, clearly sexism and racism only work for a really small group of people. (laughs) You know, it is not serving the whole, right? Right. And so, um, Things need to change a little bit, and that's not always comfortable, but there's enough to go around. That's the other thing that we deal with, right? Mm-hmm. It's this idea that we have to compete for everything. And so when we go back to who am I, what am I, you know, what are my authentic beliefs and goals, there's enough for everybody, and there's so many ways to um, cooperate, yeah, work together, mobilize, um, become activists if mm-hmm. you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. All right. Um I think we covered a lot of these questions. The one I don't know if I specifically asked, but how does your work contribute to your students generating more power? But I think you answered that by having them, reminding them to get back to their, who they are, what they want to achieve, where they're coming from and their unique position in the world before they take action. Yeah. And also taking action close to, right? Like in your own close sphere before feeling like you have to charge out there as like a social justice warrior. Right. You know, everything so sometimes we talk about topics and students are really surprised you know it might be discourse like the language we use what if somebody tells a joke and we're like not okay you know then how how do you deal with that what Mm -hmm. do you say do you not say anything how do you feel if you don't say anything is it risky to say something but is it risky not to say something and I think having those kinds of conversations is actually exactly what you're talking about Mm -hmm. what you and I talk about what you talk about with your clients it's just you know, different language, but we go way back. All right. So if we don't say something, it doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. Right? If you do say something, are you being your authentic self? Yes. What are the consequences? Okay. Those are real, but what's the consequence of letting it go? Yeah. Not being true to yourself. Yeah. Like playing out the scenarios, right? Yes. Like if I do this, this is the result I'm going to get. If I don't do this, how am I going to feel? Like when I make big decisions in my life, I've recently <laughs> been tapping into my own advice and asking myself, if I do this, how will it make me feel? Mm-hmm. And I know that I'm able to create that feeling by just changing the way I'm thinking about it without mm-hmm. actually doing something. So if it were somebody that was like, had said something offense, I thought was offensive or that they shouldn't mm-hmm. have said, you know, you can ask yourself, how am I going to feel if I say this? And how I'm going to feel if I don't say this. And then you kind of pick whichever one is more compelling or feels more true to your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I have my students practice that with one assignment specifically that I love. And they hate, but then they love it. I <laughs> Just like you like my assignments. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, it's called the elevator speech in the world of business. You know, you've got like how many seconds to get from one floor to another floor to sell yourself to somebody. Yeah. So we do an elevator speech about some aspect of women's and gender studies because the students will love what they do, but then they go home and they talk to their parents. We're like, how do you monetize this? Like, why is this valuable to you? What in the world is this all about? Or they talk to somebody who's hostile. So we give them an opportunity to practice that and we become that audience for them. And then they, they do it. They present it to us. So they have this language already, mm-hmm. you know, cause you do have to practice. Right? Yeah. Talk about these kinds mm-hmm. of things with your with your thinking and your framing, mm-hmm. and it's a lot of fun. Um, 
I, I'm always just, you know, it's one of my favorite parts of my class because I just get to see how they can, how they can present themselves from their authentic perspectives. Yeah. And that's what I love so much about the coaching model too, is that you can play out how your results will turn out by practicing and changing your twisting, not twisting it, but altering your original thought that wasn't serving you. And you play it out in different scenarios and see how it, your results manifest from that. And just being creative and exploring different ways to think about things and how it can show up in your life. So I love it. And I think that's why you need to be in community. I'm always talking about the importance of community and that looks like a lot of different things, but in my classes, I feel like we become a community because we have a similar language. We have, you know, about gender that we've all kind of engaged with and grappled with together. Mm -hmm. So then when they do their elevator speeches, we're a warm community, but we can also say, so what if your friend said this? Mm -hmm. How how would you react or what would you do? Mm -hmm. And I think it's really helpful for them. And it's kind of going through the exact same trajectory of, you know, the thoughts and feelings and actions. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. What else about power do you want people to notice or generate within themselves as they leave this call? What do you want them to know about their own power as females? Well, (laughs) I think think that we need to, again, be in community with one another. Um, I think it's important to engage this idea of non-competitive community because power is not just this small little pie and it's really easy to think that because it's the it's what we see all around us Mm -hmm. and so to generate other ways of being um can be really hard or you think oh it has to be in service you can't make money off of it right like so having a community of people to hold you accountable in some ways with that or for example the obama white house um staffers used to get together and they would amplify one another's voices. I think that's really important. We need other people to help us out with that a little Mm -hmm. bit, right? Who recognize um, that we're working um, from certain places. And so if I'm in a meeting and you're in a meeting and you've said something, I'm going to amplify your voice because Mm -hmm. you had something really important to say and it contributes to the whole group, right? Um, So to help us be seen and heard for ourselves and in community, I think is really important. So supporting your fellow woman and friends and people in your community. And when you see something that you feel is wrong Mm -hmm. and is there might be a a power imbalance there, Mm -hmm. like to speak up, right? And support your people. Coming from your authentic position to speak up. And sometimes it means to listen too, right? We know that, you know, white women have historically led so much in the women's rights movement and, there's a lot that, you know, we don't know or a lot of other people who should be taking leadership positions, you know? So it's like making yourself feel vulnerable sometimes mm-hmm. in those spaces of like, I got to listen. I'm mm-hmm. not, you know, the one that's in charge here, but that's coming from our authentic desire of, you know, to be in community and to learn and mm-hmm. to operate out of health too. Mm-hmm. And I would say for me, like, as we wrap up this special broadcast on power and generating more power for yourself is that, All the power you need is within you. And if you give that power away to other people, you'll feel powerless. And when you feel powerless, your life will reflect that in what you manifest, right? So going back to being your true authentic self and not being scared 
to be who you are and to say what you want to say. And if you're struggling with over drinking or overeating or needing help with, you know, managing all the shit that we have in our lives with family and work and all of this stuff, right? And just being open about that and telling people and sharing your story from your own vulnerability is power. And it doesn't make you weak. It doesn't mean that there's something wrong with you. It makes you powerful when you're brave enough to share that authentic being who you are and what has led you to your current state in your life. And if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be here today. If I didn't just say, hey, guys, I'm taking a break from drinking until I lose the weight that I want to lose, I wouldn't have been a life coach. (laughs) I wouldn't have created a business helping other women change their lives if I was scared and, and worried about seeming like I was out of control or didn't have power. So you have all the power within you to create whatever you want in your life. It just takes being aware, tapping into your true authentic self, going for after what you want in your life and how you want it to manifest. So that's what I wanted to share about power. And I think you're a total badass. Well, thank you. So are I'm you. so glad that <laughs> you came on here and I'm so glad I get to work with you on a regular basis. And just thank you so and much. We should thank our mutual friend for putting us in touch. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much. Let's um, go over to Facebook and see if we have any comments or a little discussion going on over there. Let's see. If you want to watch Michelle and I live on Facebook, come over to my Facebook page at Coach with Angela Masenic, and you'll find the video there. If you'd like my help to understand where you might be feeling powerless with your relationship to alcohol, schedule your 30-minute consultation with me by clicking on the link in the podcast notes. It's free. There's no obligations. I can help you uncover where you might be feeling powerless, and I'll help you get your power back. You can have any relationship with alcohol that you want to have. You've got the power within you. We just need to help you find it. Talk to you soon. Bye.